Yes, fam. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. This is our final episode in this series, but not in the season. So please do come back next week. I'll be recapping on everything season four. But right now, this is our last interview under this series. And we are with Miss Claire, um, Sally Ruiz. I hope I pronounced the name correctly um yeah she is a lady that i know lol <laughs> she's a friend a very dear friend um used to be roomy and everything in between she's a sister she's a lot <laughs> not in a bad way but because i suck at introducing people see why i don't introduce people y'all see why i ask people to introduce themselves but yeah thank you so much miss claire for being here and yeah welcome please introduce yourself properly um better than i just did right now and we'll get right into the conversation yeah hey everyone uh, my name is Claire, as Deneo said. Just want to confirm that is a fact. <laughs> I live in Cambodia at the moment, uh, from South Africa, but I live in Cambodia at the moment. I came here to teach English, taught English for a year, uh, ended up at a music school, which I really love to do. Love teaching music. Um, and teaching, I think, for me, is a matter of the heart in a lot of ways. Um, I love to see people reach the potential that they have inside themselves. I love to see people realize that they have talents and abilities that they didn't know they have and, and really just expanding on those things and coming to understand what they have uh, and what they can do with what they have. That's a big thing with teaching vocals. Um, so I really enjoy that. Uh, I, I think I would actually call myself more a voice coach than a vocal teacher. Uh, I coach people to to use their own voices effectively. Um, yeah, other than that, I love to do writing. I'm an avid reader and an avid writer. So I actually ghostwrite for a couple of companies, a, a couple of publishers. So unfortunately, I cannot tell you which books to go and read because that's not legal <laughs> to do that. But I am a, a ghostwriter. I really love writing novels, fiction, by the way. Uh, and uh, I'm a musician, I'm a singer, uh, songwriter. Goodness, I love animals. Yeah, that's uh, pretty much, that's pretty much me, I think. I think by most of all, actually, uh, I'm a worshiper. I want my life to to be an act of worship to God. And as you'll see in what I'm going to share with you, that has not always happened. And like, seriously, it still doesn't happen all the time. But um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for grace. I'm grateful for lessons I can learn. I'm grateful for people that have grace for me as well. I think, I think that's something very precious that we sometimes overlook, is that people, people have grace for us and it's not that we need their grace, but um, I've very often found that the grace that God gives to us through people uh, is actually some of the most impactful. But yeah, that's supposed to be later, right? <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. 
So, like I said, Miss Claire and I had the honor of sharing a room in the Krihari Christian training center just to say it's christian so basically it's a christian arts academy um we she was staffing there and i momentarily studied there and we had the privilege of sharing a room in one of the student houses and in that short while we i think we really grew on each other <laughs> we really shared quite a bit and really i believe that one of the blessings of being at Kriari was really building relationship with Miss Claire. And, well, I call her Miss Claire, okay. Y'all can call her Claire. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of the most beautiful moments I remember from that year was when we spoke and you shared with me your testimony. And I really feel like it would be an injustice if we had a relationship series and we never really touched on the parts of relationship that your life testifies of so clearly, so loudly and giving glory to God even. So... Yeah, take us through your story. I don't want to tell you story. I, 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 I see the value and I, I, I honor stories told by their owners. And I, I really would like for you to tell the, your story in your own voice. And I'm really honored again for you to have allowed me to share your story with everybody who will be listening to this, to this conversation. And yeah, without any further ado, please do share your testimony with us. Yeah, yeah, we did speak. I've actually had the opportunity to share my story in that kind of setting of just sitting and chatting with quite a lot of people. Uh, and I've always found that it was God's timing. So I feel like this is almost the same kind of thing. Um, except that now I'm instead of chatting just to one or two or three people, I'm talking to I don't know how many hundred. <laughs> But, but yeah, I really pray, pray that what God wants to say will be said and that hearts will be open to receive it because relationships are so, so, so important. But I think sometimes we give them the wrong kind of importance. And that's certainly what happened with me. So I think I'm just going to give a quick overview of, um, of where it all began, you know, the sort of in a nutshell idea. So, first of all, my my dad left my mom when I was three years old. And looking back, I realized that as a young child of that age, I had no concept of anything. My mom told me that I absolutely adored my father. I, her words were idolized uh, as a little girl. And I have actually blotted out, like my, my brain has absolutely blacked out that part of my life. I can remember literally nothing. Um, and I think it's just a, a case of trauma. And that that trauma, because um, what I was going to say is as a young child, I believed that deep down, not cognitively, but I believed that I must have done something to cause him to leave. Um, yeah, there were more things than happened, but we won't get into that now. The main issue is um, I believe that I had caused him to leave by something I had done or by something I had left undone. And that really impacted 
uh, and actually severely crippled me for a lot of my life in relating, especially to men. So with that great wound that was dealt, relationships in general were difficult for me. But um, in particular, I had a struggle um, with men. And not only just from that, but because of that, um, through my life, I had this hunger of I had to replace my father. I had to replace the the role that he played in my life. And I think people have seen, a lot of people have probably seen um, that quote that says, um, a father is a, prin is, is a girl's first, what, something about... Um, uh, uh, his daughter's first love, something like that. So every father is his daughter's first love. And I think in the purest sense of that that concept, uh, it is very, very true and it is very, very necessary. Uh, also remembering that fathers give children, and this has been proven in, in scientific uh, studies, that fathers impart a sense of identity to their children. Children that grow up in fatherless homes uh, all suffer issues. And praise God, I did not end up in jail. I did not end up in prostitution or anything like that. But um, that is that is where a lot of fatherless um, children end up because they don't have identity they don't also they don't have value and that was the big thing for me my value it was the driving force in my mind was you know if i have that father in my life again that that gap that he filled that would give me my value i think you could say it would prove my value maybe that is a better way to say it but so to try to find my identity and find my value, I spent my the greater part of my young life looking for that father who had left me and and allowing things into my life that I would not normally allow because I had this crippling fear. You know, I'm getting the attention. Uh, I'm getting the acceptance. I'm getting this relationship that makes me feel wanted, that makes me feel that I have value. And because of I got that, that emotional high of being valued and being wanted, I would trade off, I would, I would trade that off for things that I was not comfortable with. And I would turn a blind eye to those. In some cases, I would justify it, and I would I would absolutely sort of completely twist it out of out of context and make it even acceptable to myself. Um, I don't want to talk too cryptically here. <laughs> I think there's people that need to hear it straight out. So, um, for instance, the the first situation was we lived in a block of flats in Benoni, and um, I was about probably about six or seven because I know in that block of flats is when I started going to grade one. Uh, and uh, there was a, a, a gentleman who lived there, he actually had a room. Uh, he shared the flat with, a, with another guy, a friend of his. 
And for some reason, he and my mom had become friends and uh, he actually molested me. Uh, again, it was th these men do these things very subtly. And, and that's why it's, it's so difficult often to detect when this is happening to children. And it's often also the reason why they aren't believed. For me, I just simply did, I just simply kept quiet about it. It was the whole thing of it's our little secret. And then at one point, um, the things that this person was asking me to do just started getting weirder and weirder. And I was just like, I was just totally weirded out. And I suddenly realized, wait, this is, this is, this isn't, you know, what I thought it was. And so that was a disappointment. It was also a shame thing. Um, I felt ashamed that I had allowed that. Now, it's funny to me to think back um, and realize that at such a young age, I already had that sense of shame, that sense of knowing that this is not right, um, but still being drawn to the person simply because they gave me that attention. They gave me that validation that my own father had not given me. And so the other part of this was the other thing that kept me going back uh, or allowing that treatment, the man's treatment of me, was that I feared. I feared losing what I perceived to be my only source of validation, my only source of, my only place of being accepted um, and wanted. So, um, it's, it's really, it's really also like, I, I've wondered why I did not get that from my mom. You know, it's not like she was a bad mother. In fact, my mom was a good mother, but that is how families are created. That is what God created families for. He create, we are created to be in a family and it reflects his heart. It reflects who he is. It reflects um, who Jesus is. It reflects who Holy Spirit is. Um, so we are cre we're created to be in families um, and to have a father. That's his function. His function. The function of a father is to impart identity and to give validation. And um, those kind of things, first the child gets it from the father. He's the source. And as they grow, they develop because of his validation and because of him imparting identity, they are able to grow into their own healthy identity and and to value themselves as human beings, as individuals. And um, and yeah, so that my my heart and my soul and my whole being was hungering after that because I had none of it. My mom's being a single mother now. Um, my mom, I remember her saying once, you know, she always felt like she she felt like she just was always uncomfortable around married couples because it was almost like everybody was always. She felt like everyone was always afraid that we're gonna, uh, at least that she was gonna take their husbands away from them kind of thing, you know, so it wasn't this kind of re relaxed atmosphere or whatever. So, um, so I didn't get to see much of men in general. My mom's friends were all also single women, single mothers. Um, here and there I had kind of like a grandfather image, but then it, it got to a point later in my life, I was 19. 
and I met a pastor who also, once again, this person stepped into fuller father function, but um, originally in a very innocent way and a very good way. I mean, uh, I, I feel like the beginning of that, it, it really started off well, but uh, it ended very badly. Sure, that's so hectic. Um, wow. And, and I was speaking to another young lady here on the podcast and I was like, the only reason or the main reason why I can have this conversation, these kinds of conversations with women who have survived is because I, is because I believe that the specific woman I'm speaking to has healed. So I praise God for that. Um, and, um, I had to say that because like, um, a lot of people could be listening and they'll be like, whoa, you are exposing brokenness. But actually we are exposing a testimony of God having had healed that brokenness. So I just like, wow, it's, it's, it's absolutely hectic. I don't even want to interfere and start commenting in between, but I want to hear from you. Like, how does, how does the switch happen? Um, because, and now I want to come in specifically because this pastor, you know, a lot of people trust pastors and there's so much that we see in the news, but I still want to believe that there are legitimate men of God out there, but that's, this is not a platform of defending men of God or accusing men of God. It's just sharing a testimony. So I want to hear just to protect people. Um, how does the, how did the change happen? Like, was it like all of a sudden now you're a different person or like, was it a gradual change? How did that, how did that change occur? It wasn't a sudden switch. These things don't happen suddenly. They're always subtle the same way um, as the, as my first um, situation as a little girl, as a young child, it's subtle. Um, it's like that, that where they say you if you put you can boil a, f a frog alive if you just put him in cold water first and put the cold water over a flame. Uh, that because the temperature rises so gradually, the frog doesn't realize that um, he's getting close to being boiled until his body temperature is too high um, for him to respond to what he's feeling now as too much heat uh, and it was it was definitely that kind of situation for me I think obviously with all the things that had gone before like maybe if I didn't have that hunger if I didn't have that need for a father if I didn't have that fear of losing this person that's giving me identity and validation um, I probably would have put a stop to the development of the situation much earlier at a very early stage as it was i ended up in this whirlpool this complete downward spiral um where i was just sucked into it um obviously i allowed myself I, I'm, I'm not i think it's it's important not to absolve oneself completely you have to ask yourself and i had to ask myself what was my role in this situation? How did I contribute to it? What could I have done differently? We definitely have to do that. It's, it's not either one or the other person that is fully responsible. Um, we, each have our, we each play our role. And for myself, I had to find out what that was and I had to deal with that afterwards. 
when um, yeah when God brought me back to Himself. We ourselves also need to take responsibility for our actions. That's so true, and I think that is that's what also creates an, a, a platform where a person can start, begin to heal because there's so much that happens and we there's also so much that contributes to our mistakes or to our trauma and everything um, that is outside of our control but there's also choices that we make so I absolutely love that you say that so um, if it's not too much to ask like um, can you take us through that situation, take us through that relationship and the occurrences therein? Yeah, so long story short, um, it started off with, it, it became a physical relationship, extramarital affair. Um, that went on for about a year and a half. Then we decided we're just going to take off and we did that. We lived together for three years. And then I tried to fix what I knew was a wrong decision. I tried to fix that by getting him to marry me. I was like, I want to do this right and I want to be married. You know, like you, you, we can't fix these things with outside appearances or outside validity. You know, if, if, if I, if I had taken someone's husband from them he was not my husband uh, i had no claim on me, on him i had no right to him he had no right to be with me um but so we go on and so we we try to justify ourselves and at one point i remember i, I mean i had i had actually turned my back on god um i knew what i was doing was the wrong thing uh, i didn't read the bible i didn't go to church i was uh, I, I had the argument that, well, you know, all the churches say they're right, but they're always arguing with each other about who is right, and they're saying everyone else is wrong. So, like, who do I, how do I know who's right? You know, that was my little justification uh, for not going to church. I never said that I didn't believe in God. I never rejected God in that way, but I totally turned a blind, ear, uh, um, a deaf ear to him and a blind eye to him. Um, the fact that he continued to pursue me was nothing short of a miracle, really. Um, I suffered a lot and I was, uh, yes, I was in many ways, I was a victim, but I also uh, perpetrated crime against myself in my decisions and in what I allowed and in what I justified in my life. Uh, and that I think was my biggest downfall. That's, that's where really where my, my greatest brokenness came from. I wanted to fix what I had decided that God wasn't fixing. I wanted to give myself what I had decided God did not want to give me or what I was not getting from God, what I believed I was not getting from God. I need to add here that the church that I was with at that time when I met this pastor um, were going through a bit of a, of a, a strange time. Um, there was wrong teaching going on. There were people doing things that were not ethical. Uh, I don't want to go into details, but that has a lot to do with it as well. Now, people can say, oh, the church, the church, you know, and that just proves that Christians are terrible people. And uh, all it proves to me is that Christians are human beings. And um, I'm happy to say that 
And I'm happy to say that things did eventually turn around. There were a lot of people hurt. And I think there probably still are a lot of people trying to work through the mess that that they found out afterwards and their, their faith was shaken. Um, but it hasn't. That thing hasn't prevented me from believing that they are good, that they are good Christians. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of a weird way to say it, but um, that there are Christians who really do follow God, who really do have a heart for God, who really do surrender their lives and who live for God um, and who, who want to do what is right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I really feel like that could have gone both, gone, could have gone two ways. It could have turned me to a complete atheist because I was, I was very much, I was blamed for the fact that he had left the church and left his wife. Um, I was rejected and ignored. Uh, I was um, slandered. People told stories about me that were not true. And um, one of those stories actually came true. Uh, later in my life and it was so ironic to me because I was I thought to myself we we need to be so careful with our words um, but the the story that broke the camel's back and eventually got me to realize that I had to put a stop to this uh, was when I fell pregnant the um, which in itself was actually a miracle because I was on one of the strongest contraceptives uh, if anyone knows Nurestrit, it's an injection that you're given every two months and it literally brings your whole reproductive system to a stop. Um, so, yeah, I felt pregnant and I had said earlier, like when I was 19 and not knowing what I actually wanted in life, um, he had told me, did I want children? Because he did not want children. He was 30 years my senior which is then obviously even more proof that I was looking for a father originally. Um, and I had brazenly just said, oh, well, you know, abortion is legal now. And it was in that time that, that abortion just became legal in South Africa. So I've said this thing, not knowing what I'm talking about, not ever thinking that I would fall pregnant. And... Yeah, life went on. I I just continued to try to be a better person so that I could be accepted and be good enough um, for this man who was giving me so much and who I should be so grateful to and all that stuff. Uh, and then, uh, then the time came when I felt pregnant. And um, I was reminded by him that this is what I had said. So now that's what's going to happen. We're going to get an abortion, or not we, you, you are going to get an abortion. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't want it. I knew when I fell pregnant, I knew that this was not just a bundle of cells, as some people like to say. Uh, it's not just, um, it's not just a fetus, it's human being, it's a future, it's uh, so much potential. It's a life, it's a life that's growing inside of me and I just knew I couldn't do that. I knew what I'd said. I was fully aware of it. But I also knew in that moment that something changed in the spirit and I knew that I couldn't do this. I didn't have the rights. Uh, but he held me to my word. Eventually, 
uh, eventually I, I caved in. Partly because, and this is the other thing, uh, I had made myself completely dependent on this person. Um, I, I actually made an effort to become dependent on him. And it's, it's like, like, it sounds really pathetic. And you're going, what is wrong with this woman? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people thinking that right now as they're listening. But when you're in something like that, and you are so broken, so full of pain, so confused, because you never had somebody there, you never had that father figure showing you your identity, giving you, imparting your identity, um, growing up in a church that itself did not understand that concept and was not giving it across. Uh, I was, I was taught to be terrified of God. God wasn't someone who loved me. God was someone who was waiting for me to sort my life out so that I could be good enough for him. And it was so strange because that really reinforced my narrative in my mind since young childhood days um, that that is what a father is you know if you don't toe the line he, he buggers off you know he's he's um his presence and his covering and his protection and his love and his affection and all those things that a father gives in my head they were dependent on my own performance on my behavior. And this translated into so many things in, in, in my life, um, which I won't go into because our focus is relationships and healing after relationships. And um, yeah, the brokenness in, in my ex, uh, who is now my ex at least, my husband at that time, the brokenness in him picked up the brokenness in me. Broken people find each other and that's not a that's not a wonderful romantic thing. Um, it's two whole people that make a whole relationship. Uh, our brokenness played into each other, and you know, I've I've actually I came to the revelation that that um, it wasn't the fact that there was a massive age difference. Um, it wasn't the fact that that. Uh, you know, that he beat me or like we could have, those were things that could have been healed. Those were things that could have been worked through. Uh, the thing was the real thing that drove us apart and that in, that, that I ended up leaving um, was that and why the marriage didn't work was that we, our my brokenness was feeding off of his brokenness. Um, we were just feeding off each other and sucking each other dry. And the one was triggering the other one's brokenness, if you know what I'm saying. It was just this mess of, of, of brokenness. <laughs> There's really not another word for it, of wounds, you know. Just one festering wound after the other. But where the breaking point came was was at that point where um, he said to me, well, either you, I was trying to bargain my way out of this thing that I talked myself into so many years ago. And he was like, he doesn't want to do 
the go through a pregnancy and have to have all the hospital stuff and all the medical bills and the blah 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 and then have to give a child away and like this was just easy and convenient and I had said blah 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 you see um and then at, at one point uh, he said to me well now it's up to you if you have that child if you decide to go ahead with this pregnancy then you're on your own uh and that that really broke me. I had no one I could reach out to. I didn't know where my mother was. Uh, I had absolutely no clue. Like, I had no friends. I totally isolated myself and made myself completely dependent on him. The people that we did know were his friends, and I didn't. I didn't. I've always felt like the attachment, you know, that was just tagging along. Um, I, I never. I never formed relationships it was always everything was superficial everything was was kind of like i could never share deep down what was going on inside of me because i was running away from it i was i was denying it i i was denying what i knew inside what i was feeling that i knew this was wrong i knew i shouldn't be here um in the situation at all um I knew all those things and I didn't want to face them so i had nothing i had nothing that i could give i had no i had no way to open up. Um, I had no way to run to when I finally, um, finally just reached breaking point. Um, after the abortion, I, I felt absolutely dead. It was like I had died inside. Um, it, was the, it was the most horrible time of my life. And for about a year, uh, I stayed but only because I had made myself so dependent. And I started with a plan, slowly but surely. I was, you know, at first I was just dead. And then after a while I started to realize that I have to get out of here. I have to get out of this. I have to, I have to stop what I started. I have to bring an end to it. And so eventually after a year, I managed to find a, a place. I managed to find a, a, a job and, um, I could even take my dogs with. That was really cool, but uh, but yeah. And then I left uh, for a couple of months. After that, he actually stalked me. Um, it wasn't extreme, but it was enough to rattle me. You know, it was enough to to make me feel like, Ugh, just leave me alone. Um, and uh, after all of all of that, like trying to put my life together again, trying to make sense of everything, coming to the point where I realized, you know what, I just really don't know what I'm doing. Um, but most of all, getting to that place of forgiveness. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit. The, the cool things that happened is that uh, God connected me with a young woman who took me to a cell group. Uh, full of young people. For the first time, I saw people actually enjoying God and enjoying serving God. I think I was about 28 at the time. And uh, that was like soon, oh no, I must have been 29 by then because, yeah, I was about 29 by then. And I was just like enjoying these young people and seeing how they actually loved God and how they enjoyed God's love for them. And it was a whole new experience to me. Um, so God was uh, God opened up a lot of stuff, and then I realized, you know what? He's He's calling me back. But I felt so I felt ashamed. 
I felt so undeserving. Like, how would God ever take me back? You know. Um, but he did. He did. He he took me to a of all churches. Some people would get a big fright at this, but <laughs> he took me to a, a Dutch Reformed church where I those people showed me Jesus like I've I can't remember ever have, having been shown Jesus like those people showed me Jesus and slowly started putting my life back together and like just coming out of that dark place uh, of, of a, like just a no man's land, just a death existence. Um, and then coming to terms with so many things, it was a slow process. I can't say I left the man and then everything turned out fine. It it was such a slow process. It it took me time. I remember sitting, I remember sitting in my. Um, I had the wonderful opportunity of, uh, at some point, getting to be a vocal coach. This is where I started learning vocal coaching. Um, I became a vocal coach at uh, Philip Quartz's singing studio, and um, I'm eternally grateful for everything that that he and Ella um, did for me as well in that time. And they were also a huge impact on my life. And um, yeah, so uh, I remember sitting in, in my classroom, and we used full-length mirrors for the students to be able to check their posture and their breathing and their facial expressions and things like that and uh, I remember at the end of a end of a, a, a day of teaching I kind of slid down the wall and sat on the ground or the floor and and looked up and I was sitting right across from the mirror and when I looked up at myself in the mirror and saw who they, who it was looking back at me saw myself looking back at me this this feeling of revulsion of absolute disgust and hatred just welled up inside of me i hated the sight of myself um and uh, it took it took it took many years of allowing god to be a father of allowing god to bring godly father figures into my life and I can I can state categorically any woman and I think it, it, it's probably true for men as well but specifically because from I can speak from my experience any woman who is struggling with relationships in any way shape or form she needs to ask God she needs to pray to God and ask him to give her a godly father figure in her life uh, I cannot tell you the difference it's made and it's not only in the realm of relationships it touches every realm of your life um, in in ministry in faith in uh, in career in obviously because there's a lot to do with identity in it um, really really it's 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 invaluable. It's because it is so such a foundational function, and there's no. It's it's never too late. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to enter into a relationship like that. I mean, um, I ended up going to Creori and uh, meeting Pastor Cornelis there, 
and getting to know him and his heart. And I mean, I wasn't super close, like uh, I wasn't in his cell group or I, he wasn't my accountability pastor kind of thing. It wasn't my direct, you know, I had other people that I was talking to, other people that were um, responsible for me. And, but just l listening to him speak to all of us and sometimes to me individually, I, I, I got that impartation of a father heart. Even uh, going to our spiritual, to Pastor Cornelius' spiritual father, um, even listening to him speak, even being at the conferences with other people who see him, who have him as a father figure, fulfilling a fathering function. And it's not, it's not a thing of you have to live in the same house or you have to spend so many hours, X amount of hours a day together. Um, there are men that God has anointed with a fathering anointing and they, they um, impart his father heart in a way that is not really tangible. But it brings so much healing. There's, there's just, there's no comparison. Um, and since then, as a result of that, that was about in 2012, so I was like mid-30s then, I think. Um, so from there on, something that opened up my heart, and I was able to start building relationship with, with men of my own age group as well, and younger and older, um, in much healthier ways, super healthy ways. Again, still it took time, it was a process, and God had to peel away these layers of lies um, that I believed about myself, that I believed about other people, that I believed about Him even. Uh, it was just this process, but I really, I really am strongly believe that that fathering role that was played by, and, and it wasn't just one person as well, there have been other, um, there, there have been other men that God has brought into my life uh, that I've been, through my interaction with them, I've also been able to see, you know, God's role for men um, in the fathering function. And it's not, yeah, I think people need to stay away from that, the thing of it's not a title. And I think that's what Jesus meant when he said um, the something about, you, you shall call no man father. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't about the fathering function. We need, you know. Then, if you're going to take it that literally, you may as well just say, well, then I shouldn't call my biological father father because God said you shall call no man father. Um, so people can take it to extremes, but I, I think it's, it's more to do with the title. We don't put someone up there on a pedestal. Now you have to be my father. I have this big expectation of you, and you better fix my life up. You know, that's that's. That's basically putting that a human being in the place of God. God is still our Father. Our first, first and foremost, God is our Father. Um, but He definitely can put people in our lives that fulfill a fathering function. And when that fathering function is intact in our lives, that is when our relationships are healed. When we allow that fathering function in our lives, 
especially um, especially when we allow that fathering function in our lives to teach us about the father heart of God and to lead us to the father heart of God because that um, is also the function that's the purpose um, of a father he's meant to lead his family to God um, and that is where relationships are healed relationships uh, are not healed by pouring your heart out to someone who gives you advice about how how you are worthy you know like nobody can tell you that and brainwash you into that it's it's a spiritual thing that has to be imparted and and then also the other thing is that healing from relationships and healing in relating should also not be something that we have as a goal towards a specific desire for instance okay now i'm i'm healed in my relating so now i'm ready for a husband you know that kind of thing that's that's not what it's about I think we need to be careful of that as well. Healing from relational hurts um, is simply making us a more whole person so that we can love others. Anybody who comes into our life, you know, the, the beggar on the corner of the street, the, the, the cashier in the KFC, the, the rich guy who, who walks past you and doesn't greet you. So you greet him, you know. Um, having having that love for people the arrogant dude on the radio who you can't stand or the tv or whatever you know like um when our relating is healed it's not only in romantic relationships um i think sometimes people wonder a, a romantic relationship i mean even i have to watch myself you know we we the the purpose of healing our relating is not so that we can have a, a romantic relationship. It's so that we can relate healthily with people, that we can show them the love of God. Uh, and I think that's been one of the biggest lessons I've learned. And again, it's a process. It's a process. God takes you through step by step, layer by layer. Uh, once you have sorted out one dimension of this thing he takes you to the next dimension so we can sort that out and each one is a foundation for the one that follows on it each revelation of what relating is of, of what fathering is of what god's father heart is of what love is love for your fellow man um, love for god love for people love for yourself um, i'm happy to say also that god uh, brought me to the place where i can love myself um and not only I can love myself, I do love myself. <laughs> I'm taking care of myself in ways that I never did before. And sometimes we can we can put that responsibility on somebody else because it's just more convenient, you know. And because we're we're falsely taught, we're falsely led to believe that the, yes, our our welfare is we rely on God for that, but we need to take care of ourselves. And if we love ourselves, we will do that. You know, the word says that a man should love his wife as he loves his own body. And I think it, it's, it's, it's true for anybody, not just for a man loving his wife. It's true for anybody. You know, you've got to love yourself. You can only love other people as much as you love yourself. And loving yourself means taking care of yourself. And I think also let me just add on a little footnote here is that we need to be careful of self-love that's in an indulgent self-love. Um, yes, you care for yourself, 
but you also discipline yourself. And um, caring for yourself in healthy ways, not allowing indulgence just because now, now I have to be kind to myself, you know, knowing, knowing the limits, knowing, knowing what is good for you and doing it in conjunction with God. Uh, and loving yourself for the purpose of being able to love others better. That's also a super important thing that I don't really see much in, in, in these sort of self-love statements all over social media. Um, but yeah, I think, I think so that is, that's, that's about it in a nutshell. The, the first thing is that we need to know, we need to understand, we need to have imparted to us God's Father heart, and that comes through, uh, through fathering, through a, an earthly father, an earthly father figure who fills a fathering function in our lives, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, all those things. Um, and secondly, the, the, it's, 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 it's never too late. It's never too late to start with that. It's never too late to ask God for that. It not only can create healthy relating, but it can restore healthy relating where it has been broken or lost or just never found, <laughs> never received. It's never too late. I think that's that's the most important thing I want to say. And um, yeah. I've run out of <laughs> I've run out of words. <laughs> this does not happen every day, people. <laughs> Enjoy the moment. <laughs> um, wow. Um for what it's worth, I think I want to actually say that I'm sorry that you went through what you went through. Um yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't I don't have words. But I want to ask you, and one thing you said that really makes me, that, that really resonates with me is that two broken people do not make a whole. And two broke, hurt people hurt people. Um, and as long as you are hurt, you cannot, um, you cannot create a healthy relationship. And that we, we need to be responsible for our healing. Um, and ensure that we don't inflict brokenness on others because of seeking healing from another human when I believe only God can do that for us. So yeah, having had said that, what would you say are some of the lessons? Um, just in summary of the whole story of your whole testimony, what would you say are some of the lessons that are really valuable um, that you would like for us to get and um, yeah, from your story? Yeah, so I think um, to sum up, um, I would then say that our our brokenness in relationships is most often connected to the fact that we don't have identity. We're looking for someone else to give us identity. We 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 don't have self worth. We don't know our own value. We're looking for someone to give us value. Those are the two main things. Um, and for those to be fulfilled, the only way we're going to get them is not from another person. It's not even from 
digging deep inside ourselves. And this might come as a shock to some people, but it's not it's not in some vague concept of God um, that's not collect, connected to human relationships. We need to allow God to use a human being, either um, our own biological father, uh, if he has the capacity, and if it's a healthy situation, to allow our father, our own biological father, to impart that um, identity and that validation. Or we need to trust God for somebody that can fill that function and can sh and, and can show us who God is, show us the Father heart of God. And from that will come healing, and from that will come healthy relating. That's It's really that simple. I think there's probably many people that are sitting here going, wait, what? You know, they're expecting this big spiel about how you should believe in yourself and how you should not let, you know, teach people how to treat you. And like, all those things have their place and all those things are valid. But I think they're, they're a bit like the, the icing on the cake, you know, um, the cherries and the chocolate shavings. <laughs> but the, the real meat and potatoes of the thing is we have to have, all of that will mean nothing. It, it will be useless to help us if we don't have that foundation of being, of having validation and being having identity imparted to us and oh yes it's it's not just identity it's also it's also um it's legacy it's it's something that we're going to carry forward into the future uh and once once that is settled once that is settled in your heart the rest the rest actually just flows the rest comes naturally then uh, you don't have those empty spaces that need filling yeah. <laughs> wow, Miss Claire, your I don't think I fully had a picture from our first conversation. I don't think I fully had I had the full picture of of life, of your life, of what you've been through and everything. Um Wow. But oh, I I genuinely want to say that I thank God. I thank God that you are where you are now. I thank God that you have found your worth and value in who he says you are. And that you share that with other people in your daily work that you do um, in your writing. I am so... I almost want to say excited, but I'm, I'm excited to see the ministry that will come through your memoirs. I do believe that you are interested in writing those. And I really, really foresee a lot of people going on their own healing journeys when they see that. Because I think one thing we've been taught is really that you need other people. Of course, we do need other people. Of course, we need other people um, in our life journey. But like you said, 
we can't depend on people for healing because at the end of the day, everybody has their own brokenness. Everybody has their own places where they still need God to help them work through and heal. So yeah, I pray that God continues to minister to you and minister through you and through your life. And yeah, in closing, I believe you have a song for us that you would like to share, which really just, um, just is very relevant for this moment. Okay, yeah. So this is a song that I wrote probably about two weeks ago, although I, I prefer to say I heard it first because it was really a, a song that God deposited in my spirit. So it's more like a download than a composition. <laughs> but I was thinking, I was thinking about how there's so many things that are sort of fighting for our attention and so many things we're hearing from so many different sides. And I think a lot of the time that God's voice can get drowned out by that. And so um, I just started thinking of how I can hear God speaking to me through different things, through friends, through um, through scripture, through, you, you know, like God can use anything. Um, so I also remembered um, there was a, some people might have seen this, it was a video clip of a little girl who was born. And I, I can't remember the, ex the exact circumstances, but for some reason she uh, she had to be, she had to lie like by herself on a bed or something in the hospital and she couldn't go to her mother immediately. And so the father was next to her, but they couldn't touch her yet. Um, and he was just sitting next to her and this little girl, this newborn baby was crying, like her eyes were screwed shut and she was crying like inconsolably. And her father went to sit next to her and he started talking to her. And he said her name, um, interestingly enough as well. He said her name and he was speaking to her and her crying, she kind of stopped and he spoke again and she listened and when he didn't speak anymore she cried again and he spoke again and she stopped and then he, after a while she absolutely just calmed down just from hearing her father's voice now you can imagine um or i can imagine for that to happen the father would have spoken to the baby in the mother's womb so she couldn't see him when she was in in her mother's womb she just heard that voice and knowing that voice, it was a familiar voice. It was a voice that she knew brought comfort. It was a voice that her mother, she felt her mother was relaxed around that voice and felt good when that voice was close, you know. And um, I think this that just came back to me uh, because this is basically what the song is about. This is about what the voice of God does. The voice of God is powerful. Um, it's speaking out through the universe, it's speaking out through across the earth, across the world. And we each have the choice to listen to that voice and reach out to it. If we recognize the voice of God and we hearken after it and we follow after it, we, are, we will be safe. We will be safe, we will be protected, we will be loved, we will be accepted. Um, we will be all the things that we crave for um, if we just listen. If we just listen for our father's voice and allow him um, with his voice to to set us free from everything from everything that's bringing discord and yeah fear and whatever else into our lives so i hope you enjoy it it is an, a new song so i'm 
it's not in my fingers muscle memory yet <laughs> it's gonna be a little rough around the edges <laughs> but i felt like i really needed to share it um, because the lyrics are far more important than anything else so here it is
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for for blessing us with with healing. We thank you for blessing us with grace um, to weather the storms and with strength for the journey of life. I honor you for that, oh God. And I pray for everybody that's listening to this right now. I pray that you would meet them at their place of need, at their place of pain, at their place of hurt, that you would you would heal them, oh God. And yeah, that you would touch each and every heart, touch each and every family, touch each and every touch everybody, God, where they need you, where they need your hand, where they need your a word from you. I pray that you would just release a word for everybody that needs a word right now. And I honor your God. And I thank you even for this season. I pray for every couple, for every individual representing a couple or a single that shared their story, that was um, willing to be vulnerable and open up and share with total strangers their life story in attempts to teach, in attempts to encourage, in attempts to um, just help people grow, help people heal, help people build better families, better relationships, because ultimately marriage is an institution that you initiated. It's an institution that represents who you are at your very core. So I honor you for it all, oh God, and I pray that you continuously speak to us through this platform and through many other platforms that glorify your name. I pray that these Places will be where conversations are initiated and actions implemented. Um, yeah, I honor you, O God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much, Miss Clay. Thank you, family, for listening. I will see you on Monday.